Like everyone else, only a short time ago, those of us who work on The Shape of the World were in the middle of big plans that did not include sheltering in place because of a pandemic. But now that we are, along with more than 200 million Americans and so many people around the world, we realize that being a show about nature and cities gives us an opportunity to really help people directly. Because one thing that people are allowed to do in this time is access nature. There's so much we can't do in the physical world right now. No museums, concerts, no going out to eat, no barbers, no gyms. And really, we can't even access one another except for the select few who happen to share our living space. Yet, it's safe and legal to go outdoors. The New York Times describes shelter-in-place policies that have been instigated in many places with this language. People can generally still leave their homes for necessities, to go to the grocery store, to go to the doctor, and to get fresh air. But people have been asking, what is fresh air exactly right now? And do we know whether it's fresh? What is great about being outdoors during this time and what do we still need to be mindful of? These are serious questions and the answers have consequences that may be literally life and death. I'm Jill Riddell and this is The Shape of the World. I'm Dr. Dorian Miller. I'm the director of the Center for Community Health and Vitality at the University of Chicago Medicine. Um, I'm an, also an associate professor of medicine there, and uh, I'm a practicing uh, general internist. Dr. Miller is going to work with me in this episode to parse this out. The Shape of the World is going to post the takeaways on our website and distribute them to as many outlets as we can. We're partnering on this with Open Lands, a group that protects the natural and open spaces of northeastern Illinois. I'm reflecting my own thoughts as a private citizen, and I'm not here representing the University of Chicago Medicine. Full disclosure, we actually know one another and have for a long time. Our daughters are good friends, and uh, we've known each other since... Uh, Kindergarten. That's right. So, so much has changed so fast. Tell us what the scene is like right now inside the buildings in the University of Chicago Medical Complex. Right now, it's actually an eerie type of calm and quiet. For some of our patients that have required COVID-19 screening, we have had to put on face masks and plastic masks over our eyes, gowns and gloves. When I'm discharging my patients, I have to undress from this what's called PPE or personal protective equipment before I leave the room and to put it into a special biohazard bin. I've actually also had to work with a disposable stethoscope. We have had a few of our wards turned into wards only for patients with coronavirus. The other thing that is different is that everybody's wearing a mask in our clinical areas. Those are some of the changes that have taken place in terms of what's going on in the medical center. So right now what's happening, it sounds like, is really preparing for what's still to come. Absolutely. So Dorian, you said your work is primarily focused on prevention. I know that you're also personally doing some of the testing of patients that come in with suspected COVID-19. And we're very interested in trying to talk mainly about prevention. I think the issue for us here is that going outside and getting fresh air is one of the things that's on the okay list, um, considered the necessary list, along with going to the grocery store or going to a doctor's appointment. At The Shape of the World, we focus on nature and cities. So it's a perfect time to really think about like, well, given 
that that's what our listeners are coming for. And many people live in cities that, and they're interested in accessing the outdoors. Now is a really great time for us to get really get down to the nuts and bolts of what is and isn't okay outside. One of the things we know from neuroscience is that our brains are best at understanding and remembering new information when it can be attached to a picture. Part of the trouble with a virus having being our nemesis is that it's literally invisible. And it's very hard for people to think in these abstract terms about how to keep themselves safe. So first, what are the two ways that the virus is transmitted on the receiver's end? So where, what would be the two ways that I would physically come in contact with the SARS-2 COVID-19, which is the name of the actual virus itself? How would I come in contact with it? So um, a couple of ways, one of which is droplets that come from either a cough or a sneeze. So someone coughing or sneezing on you that's infected with the virus or on surfaces where that person has spread their cough or sneeze. Great. And so it's spread through these droplets that either are projected out directly from the person, and there's another person who's there to receive them directly from that person, or they come out of the person and gravity pulls them down onto a surface and they can survive on some surfaces for a period of time that varies depending on the surface and depending on the conditions. So people are either on the receiving end, we're either going to get it from being with a person and having the droplets come directly from them or from encountering one of the surfaces that they were in touch with. Is that right? That's correct. What do we know about how it survives outdoors? In open spaces like a park or a forest preserve yes. or that area, yes. Um, usually, the the virus is hardy, but not that hardy. In that, um, if someone were to be outside and to be infected and to cough and to sneeze onto a plant, um, it may last for a short period of time. But frankly, um, we because most of the transmission is taking place in areas that are very congested and highly populated. I don't think that we really have a lot of data in terms of what's existing outside. One of the things that our public health officials have been promoting in terms of helping people to stay healthy, not just from a physical health aspect, but from a mental health aspect as well, is being able to go outside and to spend time outside um, in order to exercise, to run, to walk um, during this period of time, as long as they're keeping what's considered safe distancing. So let's talk a little bit about what form that takes in a really concrete way. So we know, obviously, that we can't transfer the group gatherings that we would normally have indoors to the outdoors. So if we were going to have a dinner party with a lot of strangers that was on our calendar, we can't just move that outside. That's a no-no. We can't socialize with groups of people even outside. Is that correct? Because people are not able to keep distances and because when there's more crowding, that, that actually increases the likelihood of transmission of the virus. And that's the reason why Mayor Lightfoot took the unprecedented step of saying, you know, we've got to close down the lakefront. We have to close down Navy Pier. We have to close down um, these public spaces where people would normally congregate because the more crowding that takes place, the enhanced likelihood of people transmitting the virus from one to another. 
And we don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future with that, but just for our, any Chicago listeners, uh, right now it's the most popular parks that are closed. It's the lakefront parks. It's the 606 line. Other parks are still open. It's the places where people tend to congregate in large groups that are currently closed. So let me ask this. So, here, so here's another scenario. I know I can't get together with a group of friends, but if I have a friend who, as far as I know, is healthy and believes themselves to be healthy, is it safe for me to take a walk with that person? Distancing. Like if we were to walk side by side and stay a few feet apart and we're both careful that we're not turning our heads toward one another in case we were to cough, is that safe? So you say a few feet apart. What is a few feet? Because I think that people have different ideas on what a few feet means. And that's something that's actually quite cultural. For some people, a few feet apart may mean, as opposed to walking down the street hand in hand, that they're not holding hands, but they're walking beside one another with perhaps maybe 18 inches of distance. So tell me if what do you th- how that's being defined, and I can give you a little bit more guidance on it. Let's say that there was room between us for a whole nother person to also be walking. Not far enough. What if there were, it was room for two other people to be between us walking? Not far enough. <laughs> what about three people's widths between us? Um, almost far enough, because if you think about shoulder to shoulder, how broad most individuals are, it may be along the lines of, let's say, 20 inches to 25 inches. I'm thinking about the spacing that we have when we fly on airplanes. Width of those seats can vary between 18 and 24 inches, depending upon whether or not you're sitting in economy class versus business class versus first class. So even when we're not facing each other directly, still be six feet apart. Absolutely. And what if one of us walks in front of the other? Does that make any difference in the scenario? Or if there is it... It seems like it'd be safer to be the one in front than the one in back. (laughs) (laughs) But if the one in back coughs or sneezes and it goes out into that six-foot realm of those droplets that are hitting you, and you happen to say, oh, what was that? You reach back and you style your hair, you wipe your neck, you're still at risk. And so, again, the spacing is very important. The other issue is that with that spacing, there's also a time frame as well. And so it's six feet. 10 minutes. And so if you're not going to be, if you're going to be within six feet of someone, um, no more than 10 minutes together within that space in terms of the risk of transmission. Oh, so in a certain way, it's maybe better with that side to side far apart than one in front and one in the back? Perhaps. Because the one in the back conceivably could be walking through the droplets of the one mm-hmm. in the front. Yes. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So what would be a suggestion you might have for a way that people could still socialize in the outdoors without being worried about these um, distances and am I three people apart from the other person? You know, oftentimes when I think about being outdoors, I think about being away from technology, but actually technology can be your friend in this case. And the question is, how do you do that? So you both get your cell phones, you both put in either a headset, Bluetooth, iPod, whatever it happens to be, and you can talk to one another, but still stay apart. And so as opposed to thinking about it as social distancing, you can think about it as distance socializing, um, just in terms of being able to connect with a friend in that way. Now let's move on to the droplets falling on surfaces. 
So if I were outdoors and I was climbing a staircase and I inadvertently put my hand on the outdoor staircase railing and some with a vi- someone with the virus had recently coughed on it and I'm not around to be able to wash my hands for several hours and I end up touching my face, can I get the virus that way? The answer is yes, you can. And the most common way for people to introduce the virus into their bodies, you put the nail on the head when you said, and touched my face. Being able to have that droplet contact and to have it to touch particularly your nose, your mouth, and your eyes is a way to transmit the virus. And so trying to be as mindful as possible about not touching any portion of your face until you've had the opportunity to do a good job in washing your hands. I I have been reading some things that have suggested that maybe UV light from the sunlight uh, disintegrates the virus faster than it would under other circumstances. Uh, But my understanding is at this point, those are more speculations based on other viruses and not specific to any kind of research that's been done on COVID-19. That's correct. The other thing I would say just in terms of the, the area of supporting one another with distant socializing is bring technology into the picture. If you are comfortable with technology and if you can set up group chats or phone calls or a group dance party, if you have young people in your home who want to socialize in that way, being able to support them in this time. It's important for us as adults to model the kind of behavior that we would like to see in our young people in terms of being able to stay calm and stay the course and to protect them because at some point we will be at a stage in which they're going to need to protect us and so they will have a roadmap on how to do so as we move forward. Dorian, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Jill. This is Jill Riddell, and I hope this conversation with Dr. Dorian Miller helped you to better understand what to do and what not to do outside. The information we covered in this episode has been consolidated into takeaway bullet points of do's and don'ts that you can get on our website. And if you're tired of being on a screen a lot more than usual, we've made it so you can download a PDF of this information and print it out and stick it on the refrigerator as a reminder. As this situation evolves, As scientists come to know more about the virus and its survival outdoors and how it behaves under different climate conditions, we will be updating the information. We'll be launching season three of The Shape of the World on Earth Day, April 22nd. In the meantime, please be safe. And if you are well, please do step outside and breathe the fresh air. The Shape of the World is about nature and people and the world we share. It's a production of the Office of Modern Composition, a business that creates compositions and fosters composers. If you have a story to tell, the Office of Modern Composition can help. They can go all DIY and teach you how to write and produce a story yourself, or they'll do the whole thing for you. Either way, you can end up with a permanent archival piece that presents your ideas and experiences. The Shape of the World is produced in the vital, vigorous, and beautiful metropolis of Chicago in the prairie state of Illinois. You can find Shape of the World on Instagram and on the website, shapeoftheworldshow.com. There you'll find out more about Dorian Miller's work and a drawing of Dr. Miller by the artist, Rose Curley, and much more. The Shape of the World's producer is Ralph Loza. The theme music is composed and performed by Brad Wood. Thank you to today's guest, Dr. Dorian Miller. Thank you.